sign who's Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome back to Adventist Voices. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I am delighted to be joined by my friend and the editor of Spectrum Magazine, Bonnie Dwyer. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Alex. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, yes, it is. And it's great to have you on. I think the theme for our conversations that we've had in the past, which are some of our most listened to, um, when you're a guest is the um, kind of state of the church and uh, specifically during this COVID-19 pandemic. So I want to compliment you and your team um, on all the coverage that they've had on the Spectrum website. And for folks who are looking for it, you have a great banner up there that says COVID and folks can click that and instantly kind of see all the great reporting from fascinating interviews to great reporting on church institutions and opinion pieces on how this will affect us, uh, healthcare, education, et cetera. So great job. Thank you. We've had, um, a number of people come to us with very thoughtful uh, articles that I really appreciated. One from um, the administrator at Florida Hospital. He has an uh, opinion piece that went up today that's really uh, worth looking at. So I do encourage people to go see what's there. Yes, absolutely. Daryl Toll, great article there, um, leading in a COVID world. So speaking of that COVID world, um, I'd love for you to just um, kind of big picture talk to us about how you see this affecting uh, Adventism, you know, globally, locally. What are you hearing from your sources? Well, the... um I think it reshapes us at all levels, but exactly how, who knows? The moment is so unprecedented that we just have to work our way through it. And the mantra of the time, work, we get through this together, is so valuable for us as a church to adopt as well. And I think it brings us together in ways that we never could have anticipated and makes communities open also uh, to assistance from um, religious groups, I hope. And I, I hope it's a, an opportune moment as well as, I know it's a very difficult moment for so many people. I ache for all the families that are dealing with loved ones being sick or dying and uh, have great respect for all the people who are responding on the first on the front line, the healthcare workers and um, the other individuals that are getting us through this on a daily basis. But I do hope that when we get to the other side, we hold on to the realization that 
getting through things together is the way to go about uh, our um, local life as well as our national and church life. Absolutely. You know, I think it's really helped us to think about the ways that our world is changing maybe towards more virtual um, internet internet based communication. Um, and then what we're losing in that process, uh, maybe we would have looked back 50 years from now and said, wow, we're all having Zoom meetings. How did that happen? We just jumped into that and now we can kind of evaluate and perhaps um, as we come out of the other side on this, God willing, um, we can you know make some choices about how we'd like to gather, educate, take care of people in the future. I hope so. The uh, Zoom effect to the whole thing has had implications at so many different levels. I, all the families that are now doing Zoom calls uh, on a regular basis that may have done phone calls before, but did you really ever get together as a whole group on a phone call? Uh, I know in my family, it's now become really a wonderful um, ritual. We call every Sunday morning and have people from Norway, Oregon, California, and it just is a really lovely time together. So I, from family on up to uh, schools and committees and all of that, uh, I think we are finding ways to gather that are, are really lovely. And I hope that we can use them effectively in the future. Even when we can see each other face-to-face, knowing that there are multiple ways to do that and to then be inclusive of people that might not have been included otherwise, I think is um, something to hold on to. Absolutely. Well, you wrote an article on May 1st um, about uh, tithe. And maybe that's a good way of kind of getting into how this is affecting the church at a nuts and bolts level. Um, the headline is NAD, North American Division, tithe down for the first quarter. Would you mind just talking about um, kind of the general takeaway of that article? I'd be happy to. The tithe was down 4.88% for the first quarter in North America Division. And we had a chart that showed every single conference and whether they had gone up or down for the quarter and by what percentage and what their membership was. And it was a quick way to take a look at what's going on. One of the things that I found interesting in looking at the chart was that um, it's it didn't seem, for instance, like there was a strictly geographical um, isolation of whether you went up or down. So um, the people who went down uh, were all over the country. There were only 11 conferences that actually had somewhat of an increase uh, and those increases were pretty small uh, where they did occur. 
but they were spread all over the country. And the um, conferences that had the most loss were also spread across the country. And there were small conferences, large conferences, regional conferences in both groups. And so the, um, the impact was kind of all over. Uh, and unions, the one union, North Pacific Union, was the only union that posted a gain, and it was like 3%. And uh, it benefited because it was the one uh, union that had three conferences that were in the black. Um, but all of the unions had at least one conference that was in the black. And that's what I mean, that it, the results uh, were spread all over the country and, and were, I don't think, uh, very predictable as to how it, it all came out. All the, um, through the whole month of April, at the beginning of April, for instance, when uh, the spring meeting took place and they were discussing church finances, they kept saying, well, we'll have to see what the numbers look like at the end of March, what that first quarter looks like. And that continues to somewhat be um, the comment that people are making. We're going to have to wait till we get numbers now in May for April to see what April looks like. The first quarter numbers, um, March was a very difficult month, but in some places, January and February balanced out the bad numbers in March and kind of evened things out. And now April, as we're going into um, a full month where churches were not meeting, uh, what does that look like? So we continue to wait to see where the numbers go, um, but they... Uh, may not be as bad as some people had anticipated. Would you mind just talking about how this impacts um, a conference and a union, say a 5-10% decline in tithe, um, if that's sustained? Um, what, what starts to, how does it affect the church first? What, what gets um, hurt? Well, at, at your local church, um, the church budget is um, as important as the tithe dollars because church budget has a lot to do with what's happening at, at the local level. And the giving at the local church, usually the biggest thing in a local church budget is their contribution to the local school. And so if the money from the local churches is really down, it, the um, schools can be uh, the ones that see that effect real quickly. And that's um, what the conferences are also in, um, responsible for, hiring all the teachers, hiring all the pastors. And so if the um, money is off at, at that conference level, then that's where you see uh, the hurt taking place. 
as it moves up, as the tithe dollar moves up to the union, uh, if that union uh, amount is cut, will they be able to uh, help sustain the colleges? Uh, because the colleges had to send students home. They weren't able to, uh, they had to refund money for housing and food um, that they then didn't provide. And uh, so uh, the colleges are hurting. And can the unions help sustain the colleges? And that's how it, it moves through um, the system. Great. That's helpful to um, hear about. Uh, would you mind just talking about um, what else you've kind of heard out there about uh, the effect it's having um, beyond just money? I know local churches are sort of in a period of, of uh, limbo, shall we say, where they're um, trying to understand how they kind of stay connected as a community. Pastors are experimenting with kind of short sermonettes during the weekday um, and maybe dressing down on Sabbath when they do a, a Teams or a Zoom uh, meeting with their church or Facebook Live. So uh, there's, a, there's some changes there, some creativity is needed. Um, what have you been seeing? I think Zoom is doing uh, wonderful things for Sabbath schools. I think that, and Sabbath schools are becoming what they should be all along, and that's a time to really connect with other members. And so if you're doing a Zoom call for Sabbath school, uh, you have a chance to see the other members of your Sabbath school class and actually talk to them. And that's really wonderful at a time when we're separated. The other thing that Zoom has done is it has uh, made it possible for um, people to have presenters from far away. So there are, I know, I'm going to go to a Zoom class on Sabbath morning and hear and the Zoom classes at Sligo in Maryland, uh, I'm in California, and they're going to interview Elder Jan Paulson, who's down in Florida. So, um, you know, how else do you bring together uh, people in California, Maryland, and Florida for the same hour on a Sabbath morning? And yet that's, that's what will be possible. So it makes it possible to have presenters from other places and uh, class members from other places. And there are some people who just go from one Zoom class to another across the country on Sabbath <laughs> morning. You know, they they have two or three that, that they particularly like, and so they start in one time zone and work their way across. So That's great. That's, I, uh... I think Zoom is, is a lovely um thing for, for Sabbath school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so w anything that you have heard about how the pandemic pandemic is affecting, um, the Adventist church sort of outside of North America, are there division, any reports from divisions or the general conference in general, where you have 
I've heard. I know, you know, it's not news now, but the general conference session is postponed. And what um, have you kind of uh, heard how that's going to affect um, maybe the upcoming maybe fall meetings? How will the church be gathering? Uh, I, I have not heard anything official in terms of how it's affecting other denominations. I, I mean, other divisions. Um, I have looked at a couple of um, the various division newsletters. And so they have had stories about how it's affecting individual members, but I haven't seen any stories about how it is uh, affecting the organizational structure itself. You asked about annual council, and it's going to be both a Zoom meeting and an in-person meeting. Regularly, there are pre-meetings that take place for about two or three weeks ahead of time, and uh, presidents and treasurers and secretaries of the various divisions come to Silver Spring early for those sessions. This year, they will be held via Zoom, and so the people won't have to be in Silver Spring for as long a period of time. Uh, they'll be able to be home and, and zooming in for that. And then the week-long annual council itself will be in person in Silver Spring as long as travel restrictions are lifted by October. So we'll see how that goes. And if that makes a difference in what those meetings produce, will, will the people talk more on Zoom? They got quite chatty uh, during spring meeting with the Zoom format, and we'll see whether that makes a difference to the outcome of the sessions for annual council. Yeah, it seems like there's a maybe a possible change um, either to uh, more uh, involvement or it could be more tightly controlled. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah. Well, it's been really helpful to hear your perspective on these developments. And it seems like kind of the bottom line is things are changing, but we're not sure what that means. Um, is there hope? Is there an opportunity for folks to do things uh, differently here? What do you think? Definitely uh, hope. The opportunity, I think, is for creativity because this is unprecedented at every level. There is nothing in anyone's playbook that says how you handle this. So from the local church on up, everybody is having to improvise and be creative in how they go about just the normal things that one would think a church does very easily, like a worship service. But all of a sudden, that's been all thrown up in the air. And so there have been lots of experiments and trials and, and creative ideas that have come to fore. And I think that creativity going forward just blesses us and makes us a richer um, community because of it. 
I know it's a difficult time for everyone. And the thing that gets us through is knowing that we're all in it together. And I hope that we realize what a precious gift that is as we uh, come out of the um, shelter in place that we've been in for the last well, as usual, um, you uh, have um, picked up my spirits. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for um, sharing your insights. And um, I'll be watching the website to see uh, what's coming next. Uh, take care. Thanks. Always good to talk to you, Alex. Be safe. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely 